All right, I'm back. It's Johnny Jet. This is 39 questions with Rudy Maxa. 39 travel questions with Rudy Maxa. Uh, Rudy has no idea what he's in for, but I've been a big fan of Rudy's since since I started doing travel, which is around 1995. I used to go to the travel shows, watch Rudy speak in awe of him. In 2000, he was kind enough to take me to lunch and um, show me the ropes a little bit. So I'm very... And you never looked back. You were the... You were the early adapter to social media and the rest of us going, what's he doing? What is that? What is that thing? <clears throat> you were no, you're way ahead of us, past us all. Um, I do I win that. a car or something here on this? Or what, what do I get? I well, you know what? Bomb. If it gets a lot of, if this thing gets a lot of traffic to the website, by the way, so if you're on YouTube, please subscribe to my channel right below. And if you like this video, like it. If you don't like Rudy, dislike it. But <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. How can you not like Rudy? How can no. you not like Rudy? Everyone loves Rudy. Everyone. Sure, everyone. Uh, right. Including myself. But we're just going to go through this list. It's 39 okay. travel questions, and it's going to be fast. And uh, we'll see how fast you can do it. So, Rudy? Yeah. Give me a short bio. I know you, you had a show on Nat Geo or PBS. Well, well, the first 20 years of my life, I was an investigative reporter and scandal monger in Washington, D.C., 11 years with the Washington Post, nine years with the City Magazine, Washingtonian. And then I started writing some travel articles, and I started doing a national show on public radio called The Savvy Traveler that was coast to coast. And uh, even though I didn't ever plan to be a travel journalist at all, it just one thing followed another. And I now have 98 shows on public television. Well, I have produced 98 shows that have been on, and some still are, on public television uh, called Rudy Max's World. And yeah, so I was a contributing editor to National Geographic Traveler magazine for 17 years. And I've, you know, won a few Emmys and some awards and missed the Pulitzer by one vote at the Washington Post. But I mean, who remembers that? I mean, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Written a couple books. You know, I speak a lot. I, what do you need? Windows? I do them. You're the man. You really are. You're the man. So where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up all over the place. My father was in the army. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, but at three months old, we moved to Germany. And we, so he did two tours in Germany when I was older and could remember it, as well as when I was just born. Uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky, Aberdeen Proving Ground, Maryland, um, Huntsville, Alabama, Cleveland, Ohio, when I lived with my Czech mother, Czech grandmother, because my dad was stationed in Turkey and there's no housing for wife and kids. Uh, but I say I'm from Washington, D.C., because I went to high school, junior high and high school in the Washington area. And right after college at Ohio University, I went to work at the Washington Post and lived in D.C. for about 45 years till I met a woman in your city, L.A., which is where I was trying to move to. And I thought, this is perfect. But she lived in St. Paul, Minnesota. So I now live in St. Paul, Minnesota. But she wanted to move to L.A. too. But, you know, the real estate uh, slump hit. Things didn't work out. And then she met some other guy. And uh, she now lives in Napa. And I'm still in St. Paul going, what the hell am I doing here? Anyway. I travel a lot. It's okay. I travel a lot. It's all right. And I have a lot of great friends here. Wow. So where did you go to college? Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, Napalachia, near the West Virginia border. I have two children. One, one is uh, my daughter who's just turned 45, lives in London and France. And I have two granddaughters who are 9 and 11 who live with her, live with her and her husband. They're both American, but they're all English, dual citizenship with English, British, as well as American. And I have a son who's single, who's 34, lives in San, in San Francisco. And what did you study in college? You know, I studied journalism because not until the third year did I realize I could have just taken that as a minor because I got involved in the college paper where I learned a whole lot more than I did in classes with all due respect to my professors, minored in economics. If I had to do over again, I'd major in economics and minor in journalism. But well, there you go. I, my degree's in journalism. 
And what's your earliest travel memory? I guess going to Germany when you were three months old? Well, you know, in those days, I certainly don't remember three months, no, but you know, we traveled back and forth for occasionally three years. And I I think it was what, I can't believe I can remember back even three and a half years, when I was three and a half years old. Maybe it was when we returned to Germany. I can't, when I was nine, I don't know. We often traveled by ship, uh, military ship. And my most distinct memory is they didn't refrigerate milk. So I was asked to drink warm milk all the time. That's my most distinct travel menu is being memories, being on a ship, having to drink warm milk, which I hated. Um, but, you know, obviously growing up in a lot of places and having an army, you know, every weekend in Germany, again, when I was in my you know, young teens uh, or just before my teens, actually, we would every weekend we would drive to somewhere else. We'd drive to Amsterdam. We'd drive to Brussels. We'd go to Paris. Every weekend, my father would make a car adventure, a car trip. And uh, so I have a lot of memories from that, obviously. Well, any idea how many countries you've been to? You know, people, no, I, I, I added them up once a while ago, a few years ago. I think it was 65 at the time, but I, you know, I don't know. I've never actually written it down and studied it. Maybe it's maybe 70, maybe now. Okay. And how about, have you been to all seven continents? I have not. I've not been to Antarctica. Me either. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite American city? Ooh, that's tough. Um, wow. That is very tough. Probably, you know, I've wanted to live in Los Angeles for a long time. So I have to say Los Angeles, at least uh, Southern California. Because, you know, I, grew, I really grew up in, when I lived in Washington, I had a girlfriend. We bought a place in New York. So I'd spent, I was a divorced dad. I spent one week in D.C. with my kids, one week in New York with my girlfriend at the place we bought on the Upper East Side. So I love New York. And I would live in New York happily if I could afford it. Um, but I live in, but I've always been East Coast and now Upper Midwest. And I mean Upper. Uh, so I don't, and I don't like cold weather. So Southern California has always had a lure to me. And how about the favorite international city? Oh, is this part of 39 questions? The, 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 you're, we're like in Oh, it. thank God. Okay, well, I'm glad we're ticking some off. I thought this was a preliminary get to know Rudy. <laughs> I thought it was, okay. Uh, favorite international city. Oh, my goodness. I guess I'd say, hey, gosh, how do you decide between Paris and London and Bangkok and Hong Kong and, and all kinds of places? All those, all the above. All right. Well, you know what? Where do you think the friendliest people in the world are? I think in in uh, I think in Eastern European and Asian cities. Really, particularly in Eastern European ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I they're know. so happy to they're so happy to see Americans. Look, I mean, everybody's friendly in London. Everybody's friendly in Paris. But you know, Americans are a dime a dozen, and sometimes they're annoying. You know, but you go to a you go to Tbilisi, Georgia, and you know you're still a little bit of a rarity, and they're so excited, and they want you to come to their home and eat and all this sort of thing. And and of course, places like Uzbekistan, where you you can't shake someone's hand without them saying, come in and have dinner. You know, so okay. it's unusual. Uh, Places where I think Americans are a little more rare than others. Right. How about which country has the meanest immigration officers? Ah, um, probably Russia. Okay. Probably Russia. You know, I, I don't know if it's because I'm American or they're just cranky because they live in Russia. I don't know. <laughs> what place do you have no desire to go to? You know, it's funny. I'm going to say a very popular place, and I'm sure I would be bowled over if I went there, but it's, it's Machu Picchu because I've seen so many documentaries on it. I've seen so many people's pictures on it. I've seen so many movies. I've heard so many stories. I feel like I've been there. So if somebody said, here's a free trip to Machu Picchu, I think, I think I've been there. I'm not sure. But, uh, and I'm sure that's unfair to Machu Picchu. I remember I didn't see the Grand Canyon until I was like in my 50s because I flew over it so many times going from the East Coast to the West Coast. I feel, oh, I've seen the Grand Canyon. I've seen it. Yeah, I've never was, been Oh my I've never God. been either. It's worth it. 
I, I drove, I was driving by it once and it said Grand Canyon to the right 30 miles. It wasn't the direction I was going, but I, I was early. I thought, oh, 30 miles, I'll go see it. What the heck? And I got there and I was like, whoa, I have not seen the Grand Canyon wow. until you see it. Yeah, I really want to go. Do you have a favorite airline? Um, probably any Asian airline. Okay. Aisle or window? Always aisle. Favorite aircraft type? Uh, probably any wide body. Okay. I mean, I just like the, the psychic space, you know, the mental space. Have you sat next to any celebrities on planes? I've sat next to many celebrities, yes. Anyone yeah. worth notice, noticing or worth talking about? Uh, well, uh, who was the coolest? Who was the, who was the biggest jerk? Or maybe you just want to do the coolest? No, I didn't have any jerks. Um, uh, Howard Stern, who I actually knew from his radio shows in the old days, we just happened to be in the seat next to each other. Um, um, who's How was Howard? Going? I'm sorry? How was Howard? He was, was he fine. Cool? Yeah, I, I should say something I probably shouldn't say, but I was flying uh, an airline called MGM Grand that you may I remember being in LA. Wow. They only used to fly MA, uh, LA, New York, and Vegas. And they were very expensive. They had a coach class section, which was like anybody else's first class. And then they had a first class section, which was like anybody else's living room, swivel chairs, desk, tables that came down for dinner, you know, erratic seating. And then they had, they had two cubicles in between those sections with four seats. And if there was nobody on them, they could lie the seats down. So it's this enormous double bed. They were bringing sheets and comforters and so on. And I couldn't afford to fly MG and Grant. I was, a, I was, I was, I couldn't afford it. I had two kids, I had to go to college. But I did a spokesman gig for them. Uh, and, and they paid me an airline tickets. And I remember flying from the East Coast to LA with a girlfriend and they turned this bedroom into a bedroom. And I remember after we had gotten very, very cozy, I got up to use the lavatory and there was Howard Stern sitting there. And I thought, you know, this guy only does is talk about sex in the old days, porn queens and all, you know. And I thought, you know, I'm having more fun than Howard Stern is. <laughs> and I've sat next to, uh, who's the voice of CNN? Three names. Uh, James Earl James James Jones sat next to him. I once sat next to uh, the director, the just retired director of the CIA. Wow. All on MGM and, Grand. I'm sorry? Oh, no. All no, on no. MGM Grand? James Earl Jones was MGM Grand. Howard Stern was, and, and then uh, this uh, D, I, I sat next to a lot of famous people on MGM Grand. But if I, do I have time to go into a story or do we not? Go ahead, tell, let's hear it. So, uh, so I had just gone to Russia on assignment for an art magazine to cover an opening of a Peter Max exhibit in what was then called Leningrad, now St. Petersburg. And it was a very big deal for Russian-American relations that this was happening. And uh, they ha I was staying on, a, on what used to be a barge for oil workers that had been converted into a very nice hotel. And it was winter, it was snowing. And I had never been to Russia or to, St. Peter, uh, to Leningrad. And so I got there about two in the afternoon to my hotel room. And I left my hotel room, walked around, it was slightly snowing, a couple inches on the ground, it's beautiful, I'm walking around. I come back in my hotel room and it's like four or five in the evening, late afternoon, it's getting dark, of course, in Russia. And the bathroom door was slightly closed halfway, which I had not left it that way. And I thought, well, that's a little weird. And then I went over to my suitcase, which I had set horizontally on a suitcase rack, but it had, no, it had been opened. And gone was um, a bottle of wine I had brought a new novel called The Russia House by John Le Carre, and my address book that had all kinds of meetings. I was gonna, friends said, hey, when you're in St. Petersburg, look at my friends and all this. Not gone, 
$2,000 in $100 bills. Not gone. No. And I was like, what the hell? Who? What? But then I, you know, I, I just couldn't figure So I go to the front desk. I said, you know, people have stolen things from my, and they were, mm, yeah, okay. I said, well, you know, should we call? No, no, we don't, we don't really call. No, no. They didn't want to do anything. And I didn't speak Russian. I couldn't. Next morning, I'm at breakfast, and the general manager of the hotel is there. He did speak English. I explained it to him. He said, hmm, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? So I left Russia confused about all that. Had a great time, did my article. And a few days later, I'm flying from Washington, D.C., where I live, to China. And I was in, so I don't know how I got into business class, but I was. And uh, I was sitting next to uh, the former head of the CIA, whose name I'll think of in a second. And I guess he was talking, I don't know how we got in the subject. I said, I made my first visit to Russia. And I told him the story I just told you. He said, oh, well, you know, I, they were KGB guys. They knew you were journalists. They came and, you know, tossed your, your, your room and took, you know, the scotch and your address book to check out of the names and, and Russia house. They didn't know what that was, but it was about Russia. So they took it. I said, what about the $2,000? And they, he said, oh, there were two of them. Two guys. Okay, and they okay. wouldn't take it because one guy, you know, neither could be sure the other wouldn't rat out the other. I see. It, so that was it, one of my most interesting seat partners going to China with, with him. So. Wow. I was not expecting that. I thought you were going to say someone was in the bathroom. No, I, unfortunately, they weren't. They'd already, already <laughs> gone through my stuff. And taken uh, my... Do you have a favorite U.S. airport? Uh, you know, I tend to like smaller, smaller ones. Um, I mean, Norfolk is very nice, although it's a long walk to get luggage. I used to date a woman in Virginia Beach nearby, so I know that one fairly well. Um, Sounds uh, like you dated a lot of women. Well, I, you know, I was married for 15 years right out of college, and I'm an old guy, so I've been single for, I don't know, what, uh, 15, 11, 20, I don't know, 35, I don't know, a long time, 40 years. Uh, so, you know, there you go, almost you go. Not 40 years. Um, yeah, my... I'm dating someone in Bangkok right now, which is a little tough to see, uh, a little difficult to see. Um, favorite city, then the attempt, like Charlotte. Doesn't Charlotte have a gorgeous airport? Is that the one yep, with all the white big, rocking chairs huge. and stuff? Rocking chairs. Yeah, the white rocking chairs. I like that. But I also like the international airport. airport. Oh, Munich okay. is a favorite. Um, you know, Singapore. Um, certainly, Hong Kong's airport is, is stunning. The Asian airports are quite nice. I, I like big airports as much as the small ones because I am happy to go to airports. I'm like, Many of my friends go, oh, I can't throw all those airports. I'm, I'm fast. And I think you are too. You love being in airports. I love it. I like, I, like I to see the restaurants there, watch shops there, I like watching people. I like looking at the board and seeing all these exotic places that I could go to maybe one day or maybe went to. I love airports. How about airport lounge? You got a favorite one? Uh, the the Cafe Pacific Lounge in Hong Kong is quite breathtaking. Um, some of the European lounges, Lufthansa lounges, are certainly much nicer than our lounges in the United States. I have an Amex Platinum card, so that lets you in their uh, Centurion. Their, their private, yeah, their private lounges, which are the food is generally better, although they're getting quite crowded. How about um, favorite hotel? Um, well, um, I, you know, I certainly, I'm unlike Rick Steves, who I just had on my webcast the other day, by the way, uh, who, who you know likes those three and four star hotels, at least when he's traveling with his tours. Uh, um, I do like luxury in a hotel, particularly in countries like Asia, where, I mean, excuse me, in, like India, where a day in India can exhaust anybody. It would exhaust Superman. I mean, the heat, the humidity, the spices, the colors, the sound, the fragrances, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And to be able to get to an Oberoi hotel or, you know, any of the luxury hotels there and just relax is terrific. And do I like a Four Seasons? Yes, I love a Four Seasons. I mean, there's so many luxury hotels that I haven't been to. I mean, I 
the woman I married, the woman I moved to LA to, I proposed to her. We never did get married, but I did propose to her in Florence, overlooking the city at, uh, um, I think it's Mica uh, Villa San Michela, yeah. or, uh, Villa San Michele, Michele, I think it is. Yeah, very nice hotel. Well, how about uh, you have yeah, a favorite island? Well, Richard Branson's Necker Island, where I went to when I was very young, when I was just starting as a travel writer, and my buddy Peter Greenberg said, oh, there's a junket down to Richard Branson's Necker Island. And that was quite <laughs> extraordinary. That is amazing. Um, I certainly like a couple of the islands of French Polynesia. Um, I did a lot of Caribbean because I lived on the East Coast, and Caribbean's fine. I'm not knocked out by all of them. But I haven't been to, I, I, I haven't been to uh, you know, islands off the coast of India so, and, and Africa, which I would love to go. Favorite beach? Uh, you know, it's funny. It's in France. That is where my daughter is now with my two granddaughters. Uh, she escaped London and drove through the across the French border two hours before the French closed the border. Wow. Uh, so she's doing her uh, sheltering at home in a peninsula. It's about, it's called Cap Ferret, F-E-R-R-E-T. Now, this is not Cap Ferret, uh, which is on the other okay. side of France by Monte Carlo on the French Riviera. This is over in the Atlantic side, the other okay. side of France. Okay. It's about a 40-minute drive from the town of Bordeaux. And it's a long, narrow peninsula, uh, uh, originally and still populated by lots of oystermen. So on one side, you have the Atlantic Ocean. The other, you have a bay that goes over to the town of Arcachon that has a lot of hotels. Capri has very few hotels, very few tourists. A lot of wealthy French people go there. and Americans so much know about it because you can't really go stay there. So you can come over to Arcachon on a ferry every day. And when you come over on the Atlantic side, are Europe's largest beaches. So extraordinary. They make, uh, you know, the beaches of LA look like, you know, little piles of sand. Wow. They're extraordinary, beautiful, wow. hugely wide. Nobody knows about them. I mean, you can sunbathe nude and nobody will see you because they're so enormous. Wow. They go for miles. So, and the oysters are 85 cents each and they deliver them right to your door when you call up an oyster sh shack. They say, well, bring them right over. And they've got them shucked and the lemon and everything all there and 85 cents each. So that's my favorite beach. Okay. I've been to Ile de Ray, which I think is nearby, but. It has that nearby. kind of name. I don't know. It may be. Yeah. And it's also an oyster town. So. Uh-huh, probably is. All right, do you have a favorite fancy restaurant or and or favorite hole-in-the-wall restaurant? Ooh. Well, one of my best friends runs uh, some Japanese restaurants in D.C. that I'm, I've always been in love with. One is called Sushiko, and uh, he also has a omakase restaurant, uh, excuse me, not an omakase restaurant, uh, uh, izakaya restaurant, which is a lot of small plates made with interesting things. And uh, here in St. Paul, there's actually a bistro, thank goodness. Uh, when it opened, thank goodness it opened. It's, it's called a uh, meritage, like the wine, a meritage wine. A lot of people call it meritage, but it's actually an English word, not a French word. And uh, unfailingly good food, bistros. My favorite restaurant chain is, is one a lot of people may not know it's a chain. I know you do because I've, I've, I've told you about the ownership. It's the Hillstone chain, which owns Houston's and then all kinds of other restaurants with like the Palm Beach Grill you know, and they own a couple of Banderas in Chicago and in Orange County and in Los Angeles. They own probably 60 or 70 restaurants, all owned by one guy, and they've never paid a dollar to get PR or advertising. Wow. It's all word of mouth, and they're always crowded. You know, it's mid-priced. Two people can eat dinner for $60, $70, uh, if you have no wine, even less, uh, but always consistently good food. So it's a, it's a middle-of-the-road restaurant, but really good. Okay. Chain, I should say. There are two of them in New York called Hillstone, by the way. How about your favorite food? Uh, fish, okay. uh, uh, Chilean sea bass, uh, oysters, um, anything fish I, I, I normally like. Occasionally, I'm not a pescatarian necessarily. I, 
like a good pork chop or, or half a half a, I can't eat I can't eat a whole New York strip anymore, but half of one I'll take now and then, which is good. I go out to do the old guys and we split a New York steak and it, it's cheaper and it's just about all we need at this age. How about favorite fruit? Uh, well, I'm, uh, mangoes, I guess, would be my favorite. Mangoes and uh, strawberries, but mangoes primarily, yeah. And what's the craziest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, gosh. Well, I, you know, I was in Jordan once in the desert with uh, those guys who live in the desert and uh, they roasted a lamb, and I don't know if they tell this to foreigners just to freak us out because they know it does. They take the eyeball out of the lamb and hand it to you because you're the honorary guest and you have to eat it, oh, no. which I did. And it tastes just, it's a little squishy and slippery, just like you'd imagine an eyeball to be. And again, I don't know if that's really native custom or whether it's just, uh, and I don't like sea slugs, uh, those big fat, they look like huge slugs. Uh, from the bottom of the sea that they chervil out in China that tastes like leather. It takes forever to chew them. Those are the only two things I, I can think of that I don't like. I like everything. Okay. How about um, drink of choice in the air and on the ground? Um, in the air, I might have a glass of wine if it's a dinner and it's a decent wine and you know, you're in front of the, and you're actually getting a $30 bottle of wine instead of a $15 bottle of wine. Uh, I'm not a big cocktail guy. They all have a, you know, Designer cocktails and spirits, you know, handcrafted and so on with shaped ice like they do in Japan. Now they're doing it in America. And, you know, I'll try those because it's interesting now and then. But generally, I collect wine, uh, particularly Burgundy wine. So I guess Burgundy, red Burgundy and white Burgundy would be my choice. Okay. How about your favorite travel movie? Well, Up in the Air is always fun for those of us who care about frequent flyer miles, as you and I do, and some of the reprobates we hang around with. Um, but I do like, you know, remember John Lacare's novel was turned again into a, you know, four or five part, six part series on HBO, I think it was a couple of years ago, The Night Manager. Okay. And it was set in Switzerland and in, you haven't seen The Night Manager? No. Oh, Johnny, I'll send you a link. You, it's quite riveting. Okay. Um, it's set in Egypt. It's set in Switzerland. It's set in, I don't know, gorgeous islands. I love, I'm watching this really trashy series on, uh, not the Smithsonian Channel, the, um, Robert, what's Robert Redford's one? What's his resort called? Uh, Sundance? No. Uh, the Sundance Channel. The Sundance okay. Channel. It's called Riviera, and it's set entirely in the French Riviera. It's got the second, um, in the second season, I, I think that only two seasons are out. And it's, you know, sex, intrigue, murder, money, everything you would expect on the French Riviera. But the aerial shots and the scenery, it is actually shot there, because I know that. I used to be a backgammon player in the French Riviera for a long time. And uh, those shots are, are right there. And so it's very great fun for me to watch because of the scenery. Gotcha. So that, that actually, my next question, what was your favorite travel show? I think we'll count that as it. What do you think? Yeah, well, well yeah, that's not really a travel show. That's a, you know, that's a cheesy drama show. But uh, 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 my favorite, I certainly liked Andrew Zimmern's Bizarre Foods, although he went on a, long, a lot of seasons and, and God bless Andrew, he's a close friend of mine, but I didn't stick with him all the way to the end. But that was, you know, it was on the travel channel, even though it was a food show, right. but he did a lot of traveling. How about a favorite travel book? Wow, that is very difficult because I have a lot of, you know, I do this weekend radio show and I've started doing webcasts on Thursdays as well. And I have a lot of authors on like Paul Thoreau. Um, I love Paul Thoreau. I like Simon Winchester's book when he writes about uh, um, uh, the Mediterranean or the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific. Pacific really wasn't a travel book. It was a book about things around the Pacific. Um, I like Simon Winchester's writing. I like Paul Thoreau's writing. Those are modern day travel writers that authors I respect and I wish I could write as well as they do. 
How about favorite travel app? Well, because I'm in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and, and Delta owns this place, they own the airport here, the most off-used app I use is Delta to see if I got upgraded or to make reservations. Um, uh, certainly Google Flights, I, I look at a lot to check out stuff, and the Google Maps, um, and obviously, you know, ways for driving and so on. Yep. How about, um, what do you always seem to forget? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I have a dermatologist, uh, uh, this gorgeous woman named Dr. Dick, who keeps telling me to wear a hat and I can't get any sun on. So I'll go on, you know, I'll get in the plane to go. Unfortunately, there's no shortage of baseball caps in the world. So as you are living proof of. Um, so I often leave, leave the house without a cap and get there and go, do I have to buy another baseball cap? Yeah. So I'll, I'll always forget one thing. My dread is always that I'll forget an electrical connection because I'll do the radio show from wherever I am. But I have to plug a certain kind of plug into a box and into my laptop. And I always, I always panic when I start opening up my kit going, I'm sure I lost that one connection. That I won't be able to get, you know, short notice here. I'll always forget something. Gotcha. Uh, worst travel moment. Or we're down to like three more questions. Okay. Well, the worst travel moment, and you know, this story, I think I was shooting one of my public television shows in Uzbekistan and we were doing sort of a Silk Road show and we were in a Silk Road town called Hiva spelled K-H-I-V-A and, you know, in a very dry desert-like environment. Um, and I only saw one camel, which was in town under a tree with a guy holding a rope and he was charging people like mom and dad's, you know, adopt 50 cents or something to put their child on the camel named Catherine, by the way, take a picture of the child. And that was that. And my producer goes up with our translator. We go up to him in the morning and my producer says, you know, we're doing this TV show and we'd love to put Mr. Maxa, uh, or as she used to call me, the meat puppet, um, on this camel tonight when the light is nice. And we're going to have him in a very thick, velvet Uzbek robe, like from here down to my ankles. It was about 110 degrees there, by the way. And a big bearskin cap, and he's carrying a silk rug and some spices. And he looks at the camera while, while being on this camel as he's walk, camel's walking. And he says, you know, I'm laden with silk and spices here in Uzbekistan. I hate to leave, but I'll see you next week or whatever. And the guy goes, mm, not, not good idea. Not good idea. Well, we should have thought. If the guy who owns Catherine says it's not a good idea, it's probably not a good idea. But my producer says, well, how about $50, which is probably what he makes in a month if he's lucky. And he goes, mm, okay, idea's getting better. Okay, so we go back at eight at night. The sun's setting, the light's pretty. We go down to this cobblestone street. And he brings out a ladder and I get on the camel. There is no saddle. There's no rope. There's nothing to hold on to. Nothing except the hump in front of me. Nothing girding me in or anything. And so the camel driver, a camel owner, has some bread. And he walks leading the camera, uh, leading the camel down the street toward the camera, feeding it bread. Now in the shot, you can't see him leading the camel with the bread. You see the head of the camel and you see me riding up there in my velvet robe, perspiration. And we do one take, I deliver the line, it's fine, but no producer's happy with one line, we have to do it again. So the ladder comes, I get off the camel, we go, Catherine and I walk back to the starting point, I get on the thing, I get on the camel again, and I feel an undulating between my legs like I've never, I mean, I go, I was up in the air long enough to look down at the cobblestone street and think, not gonna be pretty. Uh, I was unconscious, my crew actually thought I was dead. Uh, and I wound up with a, a broken right clavicle and a lot of stitches in my head because blood was everywhere. Oh my and God. We use the, if you see the Uzbekistan show, which you can get on Amazon Prime, I think, or, you know, you'll see that closing shot with me looking good saying, here I am laden with silk and spice. But uh, 
So what happened? You you fell or it, it, it I was it, hurled into the air and you know I went high enough up there just went down to the ground. I couldn't oh brace my myself. Oh my god! I thought you were going to say uh, that. I thought you were going to tell me that it was fifty cents for the mom and pops, and then when you got on, it was fifty cents. But for him to get down, it was, they were going to charge you like a hundred bucks, which they do in a lot of places. No, but that guy disappeared with Catherine fast. By the time I was woke up from unconscious, he was nowhere to be seen. Wow. Um, it was, yeah, it was pretty, and we have, a, the camera was running, so we have a clip of it. We thought, oh, we'll post this on YouTube because, you know, people love to see people, you know, getting their crotches caught on fences, climbing, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And I sent it to a friend of mine, an actor in LA who's very sarcastic and has always given me crap about one thing. And he's, I want to see that. I want to see it. So I sent him the clip, uh, which we hadn't posted yet. And he called me and said, you know, that wasn't quite as funny as I hoped it would be. And we did decide it actually looked like I was dead and it wouldn't be all that funny. So we did, never did post it. But we have it in our archives. It's not too late. But, you know, it's a good... Look, nobody remembers when you have a good time, Johnny, when you go somewhere. You know, yeah. I went to French Polynesia. The weather was perfect every day. Oh, my gosh. I went snorkeling and scuba diving with the shark. You know, it was... People go, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, I've always wanted to go there. You say, oh, I shoot in Uzbekistan. And, you know, I broke my right clavicle when I got thrown off this camel. Then they're like, yeah, what? You know, you got a story. You know, mine is a very dangerous business, Johnny. It's, that's true. So what is your most embarrassing travel moment? <laughs> well, the most the time I was most self conscious was we were shooting in um, in uh, Shanghai, and we're downtown Shanghai, and there was this wide, very modern pedestrian area with you know very nice shops on both sides. You know, you see them in many cities where you could just walk down and you go and shop and department stores and restaurants and very modern, and it was jammed with people. So my producer wanted me, the same one who put me on the damn camel, wanted me to deliver a line a rather long line, a couple lines, walking toward, a, toward the camera. But there were just so many people, we, we couldn't do it, there's so many people. So the, one of our assistants got out and sort of parted the sea of people. Oh well, they saw God. the TV camera on the, on the tripod and they got all excited, so they parted happily, but they didn't keep moving, they just stopped. So I had about 200 people on either side, which you, couldn't, you can't see on camera, of course, and I'm walking down, and even if they didn't speak English, they knew when I blew a line, because I get halfway there and go, ah, oh, jeez, and I have to walk back and do it again. And they were wildly amused every time I blew a line. I probably had to do it 10 times. Wow. They, just, they were rooting for me to blow that line every time. Then they go, they start clapping and start laughing. And I was totally embarrassed. And when I was finally finished, I got a big round of applause. So. That's awesome. I, I, I can feel that. I hate that. Um, do you have a dream destination? I would like to go to Mauritius, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, there are places, a lot of places I'd like to spend more time in, and I'm sure you feel the same way. But yeah, I would say I'd like to go to Mauritius. I'd, uh, I, you know, I've never been to Brazil, which is weird. I, I don't know how I've avoided Brazil. I've just never been. I would like to go to the beaches of Brazil. Well, and those, two, those two would be top of my list. Yeah, That's surprising. So before we get to your best travel tip, tell people how they can find you. What's your social handles, website? If you go to maxa.maxa, maxa.tv, You'll see all my shows there. You can buy some DVDs if you want. Uh, um, RudyMaxa.com will take you to the weekend radio show I do with uh, my co-host, Robert and Mary Carey. Uh, but uh, pretty soon on Maxa TV, we'll have a link to my webcast I do every Thursday afternoon. This week will be my, this coming week will be my fifth one. And I do generally do two guests for about 25 minutes each. And I try to get very interesting people who can sustain it. I like doing the weekend radio show, but it's commercial radio. And there's so many breaks and commercials that a long interview literally is eight minutes. And most of them are five to six. And sometimes you get a good guy like Paul Thoreau on or, you know, Andrew Zimmern or you for that matter, because you're going to be on. I've been um, on. 
That's right. You were on the first one, weren't you? Second one. Second one. Sorry. sorry. I can't remember. I got the weekend people with 10 guests and then I can't remember. And I see you so often. I, I, I think you're on all the time. Um, you have been on and you'll be on again. But I like having that half hour to talk. It's, it's so, as a journalist, I get a lot of questions. <laughs> to you. Uh, maybe not 39, but a lot. And, uh, and I, I like having that freedom of having half hour. So if you're interested in Andrew Zimmern or Johnny, if you go to YouTube and just type in Rudy Maxa, you'll see those you'll see those one hour things that we did live that are now parked on YouTube. It's a, it's a thing I call, I was thinking. So, well, subscribe to Rudy's me. channel. Also, please subscribe to mine. The link is right below. Also like this video because it helps in the algorithms. And the final question to Rudy Maxa, what is your best travel tip? You know, I think it's that how to avoid the line at the Eiffel Tower. Not that there's one there now, but there will be again which is just book a table for lunch or dinner at Jules Verne. It's a Michelin-starred restaurant, so it's expensive, but it's, it's up on the first level. It's got a beautiful view. You know, you're not at the top, but it's beautiful. But there's a private entrance with a private elevator that gets you by that huge long line, and it's free, right up to the restaurant. And you can have your lunch or dinner, or before your lunch or dinner, you can continue on up without, the, without waiting in line and having to pay an entrance fee. That's a great tip. And it's a good meal. I never knew that. There you I've, go. Been, I've been up there, but I didn't, I didn't eat at the restaurant or go to the restaurant. It's worth taking. I know, I know who you love and I know she'd like it. <laughs> well, Rudy, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. And Johnny, thank uh, you for asking me aboard. Thank you. I look forward to when this quarantine's over where we can hang out and um, I know we will next time. Thanks so much. Very much for having me. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you.